Runoff, a crime novel about election fraud, evokes a curious timelessness of classic detective fiction. A noir gem, says Mystery Scene Magazine. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 18, Logic Bomb Chris Duckworth snorted, blowing bubbles through his straw into his gourmet iced tea. You what? he demanded. We were sitting at the breakfast hutch of his Castro Street apartment. I had dropped by after capping my date with Lisa with a casual dinner at Cha-Cha-Cha's in the hate. I repeated what I told him about our romantic encounter. Where'd you do it? In the office, on the desk, with a yoga mat. Sounds like Clue. Miss Scarlet in the bedroom with the lead pipe. The yoga mat was a nice touch, though. What were you trying to do? Get better traction? I don't know. She put it down. I guess it did prevent us from slipping off. Any or Audi? What? Her belly button. Was it an innie or an outie? I thought back to my desk-guy view of her stomach. Now that you mention it, I guess it was an outie. I knew it! Further proof of my theory that outies have more fun. Let me guess, you're an outie. Chris nodded and took a delicate sip of the tea, not breaking eye contact with me. It had to have been a breeder boy fantasy come true, August but you don't seem very thrilled about it. I ran my hand through my hair. You're right. I ought to be. It was fantastic. Better than I could have imagined. But it was awkward with Gretchen just outside the office. She was gone when we came out, but she left a note taped to the door. What'd it say? Get a room. Chris laughed. She'll get over it. And it's not like she hasn't rubbed your nose in it with her boyfriend, the PP doctor. Nose rubbing and pee are a lousy combination, but I take the point. That's not the only thing, though. As high an opinion I have of my own worth, I can't help but feel she's a little out of my league. Is that what's worrying you? Then let me set your mind at ease. Of course she's out of your league. I figure she's got some sort of father figure hang-up. But why not take advantage of the situation until she finds somebody better, works through it with counseling, or gets bored? This is exactly the sort of sensitive, thoughtful advice I've come to associate with you. It's no wonder that whole television series are constructed around the council of gay males. Chris reached over to pat my wrist and pushed the glass of tea he had poured for me further under my face. Drink some of this, he said. It's oolong with a blend of ginseng, ginkgo, and guarana, all of which are good for reducing sarcasm. I took a pull on the straw and made a face. Tastes like air freshener in a truck stop men's room. Did you say it's got guano in it? 
I did not say guano. I said ginseng, ginkgo, and guarana. It's also infused with raspberry quince. Raspberry quince. That would explain the air freshener. This isn't another of your focus group products, is it? You got it. Chris had been participating in a focus group put together by manufacturers targeting products for the trendy, well-to-do gay demographic. The last one I remembered was a horrible concoction called Gay Fuel. I didn't have the courage to ask what the tea was named. I pushed it aside. Can you just bring me a bud or something? Chris got up from the table muttering, Philistine, and came back with a high-end lager with gold tinfoil on the neck. He plunked it in front of me and sat down. I would get you a glass, but I figured you'd rather shake it up and speed chug it from the bottle. Thanks. This is fine. Well, while you have been making a pathetic, transparent attempt to fend off your midlife crisis by having sex with beauty queens 20 years your junior, I've been working on the case. I'm going to suppress the urge to say anything about sex with queens, so go ahead. Tell me what you've got. I've got proof that the election was tampered with. Proof? What kind of proof? Chris frowned as he stirred the cubes in his iced tea. I guess proof is not exactly the right word, but I found out that the Columbia Voting Technologies people believe something was fishy with the election. Then you did get the job with them. Yes, and that in itself is interesting. They hired me after a one-hour interview. It was clear they were very eager to beef up their staff of quality assurance engineers quickly. And what are they in such a hurry to do with their new quality assurance staff? Chris straightened the already squared stack of floral pattern jute placemats on the table. That's the interesting bit. They are very worried about the upcoming runoff election. They didn't say it in so many words, but they don't think the software used in the precinct machines and in the central system is working properly. They've been testing like madmen to see if the votes are being recorded correctly at the precincts, and if the central system is correctly tallying them off the USB drives taken from the precinct machines. I think they are also worried that the code on the city's machines is somehow different than the certified versions the company installed originally. How do you figure that? For one, they've brought back several of the city's machines to test at the company lab. For another, I saw my manager trying to compare the file sizes of supposedly identical copies of a program taken from the master distribution and one of the city's machines. Were they different? As near as I could tell from looking over his shoulder, they weren't. But there are more sophisticated ways to determine if files have been tampered with than just comparing their size. You can check the MD5, an algorithm that creates a sort of digital fingerprint for files, to see if there had been a more subtle alteration that kept the size the same, but changed the instructions inside the program. He shooed me away before I saw him doing anything like that. I took a long pull from my beer and then picked at the gold foil. So where does that leave us? We know CVT thinks there's something wrong with their touchscreen voting technology. Do we know where they think the problem was introduced? At the factory? At the precincts? Or at the election office? Chris shrugged. 
I suspect they're clueless. As I said, they had us checking the city's machines, which would indicate tampering outside their purview. But they also had us testing the software from the certified master. That would indicate either a bug they introduced by negligence, or malicious changes a developer on the payroll introduced on purpose. Wait a minute. A bug? You mean erroneous election results could have been caused by a mistake in programming? Sure. It's something we've got to consider. I don't know how the murder of the elections director would fit into that scenario, though. I suppose somebody at the company could have killed the director if the director discovered the software was flawed. The stakes are very high. If it got out that CVT had screwed up the city election, it would probably bankrupt the company. Chris nodded and drank some of his quince infusion. Good thinking. I guess you are more than just a yoga mat gaucho. Right. So here's an obvious question. Have you found anything wrong with the software? Nope. And it's driving them nuts because the election is coming fast. They've barely got enough time to load the new slate of candidates onto the city's machines, much less diagnose and correct the problem, if it exists. Could this guy I shot, Guyberger, the chief engineer, have sabotaged the software before he left, or even tampered with it later on the precinct machines or the central system? Any of that is possible. Rather than tampering with it later, inserting a piece of code into the original software to let him change the election outcome would be more likely. They call malicious functions that go off when certain conditions are met logic bombs. Guyberger could have put a logic bomb in the code before he quit, and then activated it later as part of his revenge against the company. I picked some more at the tinfoil on the beer bottle, and then rolled what I harvested into a little ball that I flicked across the table. Chris frowned and snatched it up. But wouldn't that be fairly easy to detect if you suspected it? I asked. Couldn't you just look through the source code, or whatever it's called, and find it? You could, if it's done in a straightforward way. He might have covered his tracks, though. But now that Guyberger's dead, there wouldn't be anyone to use this logic bomb in the runoff election. If he is the one who introduced the problem in the first election, it can't be a factor in the second. Chris got up from the table to special deliver my little tinfoil ball to the kitchen wastebasket. Not if he had a partner, he sang out. You have been listening to Runoff, a book hard-boiled great James Crumley described as a smart, funny, spooky, often touching, always entertaining romp. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com.